Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. Got a couple of random thoughts. Well, hopefully not too random. I've <laughs> organized them a little bit here, but uh, gonna gonna jump around to a lot of different topics is the idea, right? A, a a few thoughts on a lot of different things, as opposed to a lot of thoughts on one or two things, which is oftentimes how these shows go. So. Let's jump right into it. The last couple of games in Chicago against the White Sox have got me thinking specifically right now about two players that I I wanted to kind of break down where they are for themselves and what that really means for the Rockies moving forward. Uh, So just as a brief recap, because as we all know at this point, the outcomes of these games don't really mean much, though I I guess we can do the official hooray, they're they're not going to lose 100 games, or although some people are going to be disappointed they're not going to lose 100 games, as I tweeted out and, and previously did an entire podcast on, so I won't reiterate too much of it here, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, I, I, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter. I, in my tweet, I said it doesn't mean anything, and, and a good friend of mine, Ted, out there on Twitter responded, well, I think it does mean that it, that the Rockies don't commit to tanking, which I think, okay, true, that's true. It, it does mean some things in that you, you can you know derive some information from it, like that, that they don't commit to tanking, uh, that they've never been truly and epically horrendously terrible just on accident uh you know so but but yeah not a lot there's still not a lot to be garnered from it right so uh we move on first game in chicago a four to two loss uh had a decent performance from chad cool who's basically just settled in at the right around a quality start sometimes just over sometimes just under he's far removed right from the, the first month of the season when he looked like maybe he was going to be really, really good. That said, uh, I stand pretty firm on him as a, a solid choice. Again, it always depends on the number. But if you're bringing him back on roughly the same contract, $5 million or under, you know, around in that area, uh, on a one-year deal, maybe they, they do a couple of years because they feel like they like his consistency. Even if you know you're not getting a ton out of him, you're at least, you've got a fifth starter, Right. Um, and he can hang in and in, in games like this and would give a, a better offense, you know, an opportunity to, to win the game here as it is Rocky's offense, even though they've been better lately, right? They, they continue to struggle. And the only two RBI in this one coming on a, a home run from Alan Trejo, the first player that I really want to dive into a little bit, because he's in a very interesting spot right now, right? Every time I've talked about shortstop, on this show and and typically in the articles I write it's all about Jose Iglesias and what he's doing right now and whether or not he can or will sign again in the offseason and come back as a veteran player right because him not being traded at the deadline is a much tougher pill to swallow and it's already in some ways, a little bit puzzling without knowing how the conversations were going and if anybody was really offering anything for him. But if he just walks in the offseason and, and goes and plays for another team, you know, it's it, it, there are going to be a lot of people who rightfully are going to say the Rockies should have traded. Or, and it's, I always struggle with that framing of it. The Rockies should have traded player X because, again, you don't know that there was anyone out there offering anything for him. Uh, despite the fact that he's having a good year, that doesn't mean that he's a 
fit for any of the teams that are looking to add players. And we've had that conversation before, but still in retrospect, right? Shortstop this offseason does kind of begin with that question. Do they bring back Jose Iglesias? Again, I would assume on kind of a similar deal. Maybe bump up the number a little bit because he did play so well. Particularly, he hit well on the road, which is something the Rockies know they're always going to need and, and always going to have a difficult time getting, right? And so Jose Iglesias is... I think that's one of the best reasons to argue to bring him back. And then there is the the sort of veteran presence and the, the idea that if it doesn't work out for Ezekiel Tovar, who in a best case scenario would have a brilliant spring and would be your opening day starting shortstop and would have a Trevor Story-like rookie season, right? That's your best case scenario, in which case bringing Jose Iglesias back in the offseason might feel a little strange or a little redundant. But again, this is not a guy, regardless of the fact that he's had a pretty good year, in this market and in this day and age where you don't hit home runs. And honestly, the defensive metrics don't love him. He's he's still pretty sure-handed most of the time, though he's had some very frustrating errors throughout the season as well. The metrics don't love his defense anymore, uh, even though I think he's solid there. And... The batting average, while it's great, it, it's always difficult to project that moving forward. So he's not going to cost you a ton, which means if you're just playing him on off days for the rookie or you've got him for insurance in case Tovar doesn't pan out or doesn't pan out immediately and needs to go and spend a month or two in AAA to get his swing and his confidence back, and then you've got a guy like Jose Iglesias who can step right in and not do those things. But back to the player I'm supposed to be talking about, right? That's that's the dynamic that has kind of been laid out. And I think properly so between those two players. But how does Alan Trejo fit into this? He has had a very good year by, you know, pretty much any metric. Uh, both at the major league level when he's gotten his opportunities... Uh, you know, hitting 265 in 68 at bats with three homers, 12 ribbies. He's got a you know a 762 OPS for a rookie shortstop who's not getting regular playing time. That's pretty solid. That's pretty good. You know, it, yeah, no, it's nowhere close to being a superstar. But again, if you're kind of projecting forward with these players, and I've always, perhaps unfairly so. You know, I've been reevaluating the pitcher Ryan Feltner on a similar basis this year, where as both Feltner and Trejo have gone throughout their minor league careers, and I check in and I watch and I look at the numbers and I, I read and or talk to, you know, scouts or evaluators, people who are really on the ground floor at the minor league level, I got the sense that both were kind of the the proverbial quadruple A player, right? Guys who were gonna if they once they got to triple A, gonna put up really good numbers, and and you're probably gonna call up and and you're gonna see what they can do in the bigs. But they lack a certain top end skill that puts them over at the major league level, or at least that has been the analysis I've I've gotten and and kind of what I had seen as well. Right, where specifically with Trejo, right, what is just the the grade out on on his skills? Say, well, he's a pretty darn good defender, uh, a very good defender, and and somebody who I think can be an above average defender at the big leagues, which is like 
that's just an incredible skill set to have. To be a shortstop who's that good, the thing is, do I think he's got potential gold glove defense in there? I, I don't know that he's quite the top-end athlete and... You know, I, I don't know. And this is one of those things where you really just need more of a sample size to see, like, how creative he is, how good his footwork around the bag is. You know, those things, if they play all the way up, maybe. But that's his his best skill, right? His And, and again, if you, even if you're breaking that down further and you're saying, well, is his arm, like, elite, elite? No, it's a, it's a pretty good arm. He's got a good arm, and it's a shortstop arm, and, it, and it'll play. And if he's out there every day, you're not going to be going, ah, oh, man, this guy's costing us. Not at all. Not not even a little bit. With his arm, his footwork, ability to, to turn plays around the bag, all of that stuff, right? But it's kind of that across the board, right? He's tried to develop more power this year and has, and, he, and we've seen some of it at the big league level. Uh, not a ton. Uh, like I said, he's, he's just hit the, the three home runs so far. But he's really been slugging at the minor league level to a clip of 551. 16 home runs in 67 games. 52 ribbies. Really good numbers for the minors. Hitting 296 on basing 331. You know, a WRC plus of 111. But again, that that number again is kind of indicative of where I think Trejo is at right now. This above average and, and sort of comfortably above average, but not holy cow super impact player, even at AAA. So does that mean at the major leagues he's going to be replacement level, if you will? And that's always kind of been my read on him as a player. And you need those guys. You absolutely need those guys. And remember, there have been years where the Rockies have been far more competitive, right? But their worst players, players like Ian Desmond, or at times, depending on now, I'm not going to get into the weeds on Tony Walters right now and how metrics don't give catchers enough credit for what they do. But still, if you're looking at like negative war and certainly negative offense, right, Tony Walters was one of the worst qualified hitters in baseball in 2018. That year that he ended up getting the most important hit of the season because baseball's hilarious. But if Alan Trejo is the 26th man on your roster, you know, that's a very, very solid player to have there. And I, and I think his overall value plays up more than those types of guys who are negative war type of players, right? I, I think that's one of the best things that that you can kind of feel right now about Trejo is that he's not going to be, I don't know how much on this podcast I've talked about a statistic invented by an old friend of mine, Matt Gross, uh, back in our Purple Row days, called drag, right? Which basically measures the amount of at-bats taken by guys who aren't producing, and, you know, because it's one thing to be a bad hitter. It's quite another to be a bad hitter who gets a ton of plate appearances. Then you're really going to hurt your team, right? And I think as I look at Trejo, what I see is here's a guy who if he suddenly did have to step into a role where he had to take a, a bunch more plate appearances, whether it was because Iglesias got hurt or if Iglesias walks and they go with Tovar, but Tovar's really struggling. And so now it's Trejo who has to step into that role. 
I think he provides you with with a floor, with a pretty solid floor. Again, he's probably not going to win you a bunch of ball games. He's he's never going to carry an offense or a defense. But I think you know you, you you don't worry about him becoming that that big drag on the lineup, right? And so it's an interesting guy to have around for depth, despite the fact that the Rockies do have. You know, Brendan Rodgers pretty well entrenched over there at second base as long as he's healthy. And we do know there have been some of those issues in the past. But as long as he's healthy, he's going to be in there doing his thing. But you've got these middle infielders now. What is the future of Garrett Hampson? We'll get more into that in the offseason. But he's obviously your other kind of up the middle guy right now. Uh, I don't think, and I've said this before, I don't think of the offseason other than bringing back Iglesias, I don't know that they would go out and get somebody else at that point. I think you just kind of roll it with with Tovar and Trejo. And and I see why they're giving Trejo this look here at the end of the season, especially with Tovar not being 100% healthy. It would have been nice to get a look at him at the big league level, but you can't rush him that much. You can't just have him come back from an injury and skip over triple a that's that's a bit much for somebody who is still basically you know a child i shouldn't say that he's a he's a grown young man but still uh so yeah trejo's in an interesting spot right he's he's essentially playing for a spot right now um and and trying to show that he can be valuable that he can be either you know, that, that guy on the bench you can rely on if there's an injury or if somebody else just needs a day or if somebody else is struggling, you can get him in there. If you have to stash him down in AAA and he continues to show that he can do what he does, you know, he's got a great attitude about him. He doesn't, you know, seem to be phased by not getting opportunities even when he plays well. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's important to have those guys around. So, We'll see, but it's been nice to see him get involved in the action and play well. Like I said, he got the first uh, two, the only two, uh, RBI in the first game, and uh, he picked up another ribby in the second game, which was more about, for the Rockies, some pretty stellar pitching. Uh, Of course, uh, I got to hone in here on the other player I got to talk about right now, which is Kyle Freeland, who went six and two thirds, uh, gave up seven hits, but no earned runs, scattered them pretty nicely. Did have three walks. Uh, don't love that. He doesn't love that, but still. Uh, the five strikeouts, uh, he, he's had a, a pretty decent year as far as his strikeout numbers go. And he's lowered that ERA down to 443, which we all know, uh, you know, for a Rockies pitcher, do a little bit of adjusting in your head. And he's much more back to a, a solid spot. In fact, when you adjust according to ERA+, plus, he has now been an above-league average pitcher at a, a 106. His career number is a 115. So with another outing or two, I think, uh, remaining on his schedule, he might be able to, to bump that up even more and, and actually finish out with what was overall a decent season. Now, you know, that's what the numbers will say, and, and that's what I'll end up talking about, and, and that'll be important. Because as I've said, there's no two more important players to the future of this team than Armand Marquez and Kyle Freeland. It just it has to start there. Everything else comes after. And while we might get to the end of this year, and, and I can sit there and go, well, you know, Free had a good year if he ends up at, let's say, a 112, 113 ERA plus, like just under his career averages, but 
you know, he, he finished strong and, and so he got his numbers there. But he would tell you and the team would tell you that there's got to be more consistency there. And in fact, he, he wants to get back to, obviously he'd love to get back to the Cy Young numbers of the 166 ERA plus, but be closer to that 120, 125 level. That's where I think both Freeland and Marquez should feel like they can be able to sit consist, consistently, be above league average pitchers. They don't need to be superstars, but they have that kind of talent and skill and ability. They've shown now, bounce back a little bit from these these rough times. And I, you know, I think Freeland is showing again an ability to adjust back to the league and use his smarts and his competitiveness to, you know, go in and outduel Dylan Cease. And this has been something you know the Rockies have been uh, putting a little bit of numbers on on some of these guys battling for Cy Youngs. Always, this seems to happen every year, like down the stretch. Uh, you know, Zach Gallen got dinged up a little bit. Dylan Cease gets dinged up a little bit. The Rockies seem to have a way of, um, who was it last year? Oh, was it Corbin Burns who came to Coors Field and had just a ridiculously low ERA and then gave up like five runs in three innings. And it just, when your ERA is 190, a game like that just absolutely obliterates it. (laughs) You know, know, it jumps up to like a 240 or something, which is still a really, really good ERA, but it, it just doesn't look like the extreme dominance it was before and and so it's always kind of funny to me when the Rockies end up doing stuff like that but obviously the the Kyle Freeland thing look I I said you know basically right after the trade deadline when I I laid out what are the things to look for in this final stretch and one was you need to see some positive signs out of Freeland and Marquez I think we've seen both I'll talk about Marquez uh, on a future show but you know, this is this is it. This is what you needed to see out of free. He's got to keep it up. You know, don't have a big clunker to finish out the year. But the 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 club and whatever fans are still watching <laughs> need to have a sense that Freeland is going to be at the the very worst. You know, like a, a solid number three MLB starter for you. And that this starting rotation is going to be able to get back to being kind of the the backbone of the team, right? Because if they can't, it just doesn't work. None of the rest of it works. The rotation has to be the backbone of the team. And they can only do so much in either free agency or trades to fix that. As we all know, it's just incredibly complicated to go out and get someone who hasn't done it here and believe they're going to be able to do it here the best option even if it's not the most exciting option or the one you know where there's no magic there's no someone comes in and does it it's just Freeland and Marquez have to pitch better and so does Austin Gomber and uh, you know when Sensatella comes back he'll need to just more or less be himself and you know they're going to need to go out and sign somebody almost assuredly because if you don't get that rotation settled, every other element of the team falls completely apart. But that's why this is such good news to see this kind of start out of Kyle Freeland, the way the end of his season has gone. Uh, it is it is a big thing because they need him. They just absolutely need him. 
and and this is the type of outing that he really should be known for that that if he can just make this you know a little more common there're going to be days where the seven runs or I'm sorry the seven hits lead to two or three runs and that's fine it's it's the games where it's oh man you you ended up paying for those walks and now you're giving up five or six runs that they've got to limit those they just can't afford those types of outings from these two guys in particular. So going nearly seven full, scattering those hits, really, really good stuff. And we even know that like there have been a couple of times his ERA has gotten a little extra dink, like, you know, and Buddy left him in there and he gave up the grand slam and, and, and stuff like that, where in a more competitive year, he might've come out of some of those games, but that, that's because they're trying to push him through this and get him to that next level where he's more consistently just battling his way through these games. And I do think that Freeland's getting to that place in his career. You know, like I said, I've got a lot of thoughts on where Marquez is right now. And and as always, that's a, a frustrating one of feeling like it could go into sort of polar opposite directions. But it was really encouraging to see that last night. Uh, from Kyle Freeland, we are watching three consecutive day games in Chicago at the Cubs. Uh, it'll start with Marquez, so that'll be probably the big topic of conversation uh, sometime this weekend. Uh, and then we can get into talking a little bit more about some prospect news. There's, there's a lot going down uh, on the farm uh, with some teams playing in some championships and stuff like that. So I got a lot of that stuff to get into and uh, it's always fun to talk about the prospects this time of year and then previewing uh, the final home series and, and particularly having a conversation about whether or not the Rockies can mess up the San Diego Padres, which would be hilarious. So uh, thank you all for listening in to this episode of 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're checking out all the other podcasts on the network and all the written content over at Mile High Sports. Com. You can always follow me on Twitter at Drew Creaseman, and you can slide into the DMs and ask me about the Discord channel if you are interested. Other than that, I can only ever ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.